Coming up on the show, a look at the trials, tribulations, unwitting self-discovery, and unshakable shame behind online dating. I'll be joined by Kira Attic, the author of Modern Dating, A Field Guide. She's test-driven all the niche dating websites, from JDate to FarmersOnly.com. Plus, my grandma Phyllis tells the story of the time she met a dude online, and we'll hear your questions. Start posting them now at WFMU.org and stay with us. My heart is beating, beating like an eclat. My heart is beating, you can hear it talk. Beep, 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 beep. My heart goes beep, beep, beep. Beep, 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 beep. My heart goes beep, beep, beep. And you can answer my thoughts. My heart beats a little faster. information on WFMU. Benjamin Walker is off eloping in France, but when he returns, you can join us for a live episode of TMI on Monday, August 26th at McNally Jackson Books. More information up on the TMI playlist page. And that is also where I'm collecting your questions for our guest today. That's Kira Attic, the author of Modern Dating, A Field Guide. She's heard them all, so don't be shy. From first date ideas to texting etiquette to why, oh why, didn't he call? She's here to help. But first, a story. Believe it or not, my own grandma Phyllis found love using an online dating website called classifieds2000.com. That was back in 1998, before the new millennium, when the number 2000 was very sexy. Here she is. It happened in a kind of a strange way. My friend Rhoda had, uh, was a, a fellow widow. That doesn't sound right, but that was it. I met her in a bereavement group after Gil died and her husband died. We became good friends. We traveled around the world, and uh, we did a lot of interesting things together because we decided we were just not going to cover ourselves with ashes. And one Thanksgiving, I was at her house, we did Thanksgiving dinner, and after dinner she made me go upstairs and look at something on her computer, and it was a dating service called Classifieds 2000. And she made me sit down and read ads from senior singles. And they were quite hysterical. The women were utterly gorgeous, brilliant, talented, slim, uh, like long walks on moonlit beaches and all that kind of nonsense. And the men were all suave, debonair, handsome, brilliant, could drive at night, all these wonderful things. And uh, I laughed a lot and said, ah, this is not going to happen. But she pointed out that they said I could put a free ad in for a week. So what the heck? And she made me sit there and type something out on the spot. And I remembered writing 65-ish, plumpish, Jewish. When I got back into the city the next weekend after Thanksgiving, uh, there were people who answered my ad, which was quite astonishing. And... Um, some were appropriate, some were not. I told one person that I didn't date people younger than my own children. Uh, but about a week later, after I was corresponding with one man who turned out to be a hunter and a gun collector, which was quite offensive to me, so I stopped that one, um, Saul signed on 
sent me a message and uh, told me that he was a native New Yorker, but currently living in New Jersey, had just moved there after a divorce. Would he do? We started a correspondence. He wanted to uh, talk to me, so I, I thought he sounded legit, so I sent him my telephone number. Oh, he sent me his number and asked if I was interested, would I call him? And I did. So then we talked on the phone for a bit, and we set up our first date for December 15th of 1998. And there was an instant recognition factor for me. I figured out later on that he looked a little bit like my father. Let's not get too psychological about this. Uh, but And we spent a lovely day together. I brought him up to visit with my gay friends because I was so nervous about this. I, I needed, like, a second opinion. And they all gave me the thumbs up. And I had set it up that... The truth being, I was meeting my daughter for the opera that night, and it was an early curtain. And depending on whether I liked this guy or not, I might have had to meet Sheila for shopping and dinner before the curtain, or any combination thereof. As it turns out, I barely made it to the curtain that night. We just had a lot in common, and we said goodbye, and... Off he went, and I went to hear my music. Left for California the next day. When I came back in January, a huge bouquet of flowers arrived with a lovely note from him, and, of course, that had to be answered. And that was the beginning of a romance And over those early years, he was the one who took care of me because I had some serious problems then and he had this heart thing. Well, I survived and he didn't. information on WFMU. I'm Andrea Salenzi filling in for Benjamin Walker. That was my grandma Phyllis telling the story of how she met my grandpa Saul online before most people were doing online dating in 1998. Today on the show we're discussing online dating and joining me now is Kira Attic, the author of Modern Dating, a field guide from the folks at How About We. You know their website, it's at howaboutwe.com. Welcome to the show. Hmm. Are you there? Kira? Hmm. Okay, I'm going to press some more buttons and see if I can make some magic happen. In the meantime, some music for you. All right, are you there, Kira? 
I'm here. Hi. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Um, it's just funny how we have to set this up every time, but it's it's uh, no problem at all. Did you hear some of my grandma's story? I heard I heard the first part, and I sort of got disconnected at a cliffhanger part where uh, she was about to give the guy a call or call someone back, and then it cut off. So I don't know what happened. Oh no. Okay. Well, basically, they went on to fall in love and be married, and. Um, they, they, uh, it was really an incredible thing in her life to have um, one great marriage and then a second great marriage. And for her to do online dating in 1998 was incredible. Yeah, those are really the early days of it. That's really cool. It's, it's uh, changed so much. There are a ton of different dating websites out there right now. And you've been a writer for HowAboutWe.com for a while. What's the basic makeup of HowAboutWe? How does that site work? So How About We is a site that believes that you should go online to get offline, basically. So the premise of the site is that you propose a date, which is an activity that you like doing, a hobby, a concert that you want to go to, a movie you want to see, something that's really active and participatory. You put up your date on the site. How about we go see the new Woody Allen film and then get drinks afterwards? And then people will respond to you based on that particular date. And your own feed will be comprised of dates that other other people suggest. So it's really more about finding people who like to do what you want to do and having fun with somebody rather than trying to sort of portray yourself based on, on, I don't know, adverbs or I like long walks on the beach and I'm a Capricorn, um, some of that more outmoded dating style. Um, something I find so interesting is that there's a new trend, which is the errand date that started to emerge yes. through the site. What what kind of errands are people dating on? It's really funny. I So I was shocked when I first heard this, but um, a popular one is shopping. Um, shopping for something in particular, like one that I've seen is I need to buy, like a guy will post, I need to buy a new pair of shoes and they want, like, help picking out something cool, and they'll post that on the site, and then the right girl will be like, yeah, that sounds fun. I think it'd be cool to shop for, like, sneakers or whatever for a guy. Um, I I think shopping is, like, the easiest errand dating, but another one that I've heard of is sort of DIY-type stuff. Um, I need to paint a room in my apartment. I mean, it sounds a little bit like errands or Craigslist, but usually they're, they're put in a the way van. that like, makes it fun. Yeah. Do you have a car? Um, Let's go to Ikea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that would be my response, but people actually do it. Wow. Um, I, I think that's that's a really, like, I feel like in New York, we're so, like, weighed down by convenience. It seems like it's a really practical practical way to do dating. Yeah, and I think what people think sometimes is like, I'm a busy person. Um, how can I fit my dating life into my super busy schedule? Why not fill, kill sorry, two birds with one stone and make a date out of something that I was going to do on my Saturday anyway? Hmm. Well, I'm I'm single myself, and the the day that I feel the most lonely is on Saturday. Cause Saturday, you're walking around the neighborhood, you grab coffee, and you just see couples, couples, couples. Everyone is so euphoric yeah. on a Saturday. Especially uh, especially in the summer, I feel like couples just come out of the woodwork in the city, and it just everything looks so romantic. And especially when you're single, I think things look extra romantic when you're on the outside looking in. But I mean, honestly, that's why that's why I'm a big advocate of online dating because even while you're single, even if you're not in the throes of a great love affair, um, you can still there's there's nothing to say that you can't be one of those twosomes that's out enjoying the city, enjoying the day. Um, I think it's a mistake to think of of dating as so connected to like a big love story. Sometimes you just want someone to go to the rain room with or to walk around Brooklyn Bridge Park or get an ice cream cone. And how about we, as well as other dating sites, I mean, any any dating site or any way that you can approach someone and, and suggest a date or an activity like this, um, I think is a great way to spend your summer, to spend your time. Hmm. You make dating sound um, fun. Like, what do why do people what do people have against dating? Why is dating like started to accumulate all this stigma of, of being a painful thing where you're going to have to make a break in the bathroom about halfway through? <laughs> like, what when did these yeah. bad associations start? 
I think it definitely does have that reputation, and I think it's um, I think it's mostly two things. First of all, the stakes are really high for people, especially in the city. I think um, women women who are still pretty young this panic starts to set in about being single and how they absolutely can't be single and how they have to find a relationship or find a boyfriend. So then that takes a, a first date from being a nice experience of getting to know someone that you might have something in common with and turns it into, is this going to be my next boyfriend? Does he meet all the uh, qualifications that I have set for him? Um, is this going to... You're look, When you're looking for something serious straight off the bat, it just puts undue pressure and then it stops being fun um it stops being fun as soon as it falls short of that super high expectation that that you go into it with and another reason i think dating sort of gets a bad rap is that for so long dating meant dinner and a movie or meet up for drinks and when you when you meet up for for drinks especially if it's somebody that you're meeting online so you've never met them before, it can so easily take on this like interview-like scenario where you're just sitting across a bar stool from someone like asking each other the same questions that you don't really care about the answer. Like, what do you do? Where did you go to college? How many siblings do you have? Where did you grow up? And, and that sort of thing is awkward. People feel pressure. People get nervous. And, and that's just not fun. I think a way to inject fun back into your dating life is to choose activities and dates that you'd want to do anyway. You'd want to do them by yourself. You'd want to do them with your friends. Um, so why not Why not do something fun and, and see uh, if you can, why not do something fun and then see if you hit it off with somebody. And then the other thing is to just take some of the pressure off of yourself and off of the date not every date has to lead to a serious relationship. Not every date is even going to be like a success in terms of romance. But if you think of it as an opportunity to meet somebody else, um, get to know someone else, and maybe a worst case scenario, get a great story out of it if it turns out to be catastrophic, I think that really will lighten the load in terms of dating. Yeah, I actually, I really um, found that refreshing. Um, you're the author of Modern Dating, a field guide from the folks at How About We, and the first chapter is like, it's not so bad to be single. It's kind of like a fun Yeah, definitely fun not. Um, over on the WFMU playlist page um, at WFMU.org, Greg writes, um, number one rule of dating, do not, under any circumstances, live in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> agree. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Do you agree or do you disagree? I, I, within the last 12 months, have dated someone in New Jersey. I'm living proof that that rule can be broken. So it's oh, so you you would encourage someone to date someone in New Jersey if if I if mean, why not? I think I, I think geography definitely definitely does play into dating, and um, New Yorkers especially are never very eager to date outside of their borough, but. I don't know. I think that's silly. People people live in different places for different reasons. And as long as it's not too annoying in terms of commute, um, why limit yourself to where a potential date or love interest might be? So would you date someone? Yeah, in, I mean, what about Connecticut? I'm what sorry, about Staten ahead. Island? Like, where do we where do we make the limit here? Uh, how far away is okay if you live in New York? It really depends on the person, I think. I mean, let's see. I don't know. I know... It so depends on the place and the lifestyle. Like, there are times where I don't even feel like going to stops into Brooklyn. And if you're one of those people, I mean, I live in Manhattan, and if you're one of those people, then obviously you're going to need to, you know, date a little bit closer to home. But if you meet somebody really, really great that you really connect with, then the fact that you have to get on a ferry to go see them, I don't think should be a deal breaker, hmm. um, personally. No, that's great. So uh, we're taking more questions like Greg's on the WFMU playlist page at WFMU.org. And you can also call in. We have Amadeo on the call screen button at 201-209-9368. And we'd love to hear your questions for our guest today. Um, let, let's get into the, the date itself. Um, should you always take the suggestion from the guy if he says, let's meet at, at this place? Should that always be what you go for? I mean, how about we, it's going to be a different formula 
But uh, would you, where are the, where are there, should you push someone to be at a space that you're comfortable with or should you kind of go with the flow? Oh, absolutely. If it's a, if it's a matter of I'm comfortable in this place, I'm not comfortable here, then absolutely. I think that you're, you're not going to have a good time if you're feeling weird. If he, like, for instance, bringing it back to would you date someone from Staten Island? Um, if somebody, if you meet someone online and, and you live in Manhattan or you live in Brooklyn and he suggests Staten Island as your first date and, you you know, you don't know who this guy is, you're not totally comfortable trekking out there by yourself and totally suggest something you feel more comfortable with. Never, ever meet anyone from the Internet in a private place for your first date. Um, and in terms of who plans the date, I don't know. I think I think it can be a little bit of a give and take. Um, but most, I mean, if he plans something that just sounds awful to you, that you don't think that you'd have a good time on at all, then might as well speak up because not only will you not have a good time on the first date, it's also in- indicative of what sorts of things you each like to do. Um, I, but I definitely don't think that the guy necessarily has to do all the planning. I think it really can be a mix or a trade-off. Hmm. In your in your work as a, a dating blogger for the past three years, you talked about uh, going to a Starbucks. <laughs> and yeah, that's like the yes. worst date location there you can pick. Yeah, I mean the Starbucks is a pretty bad one. I feel like Starbucks is good for like an interview or if you're doing an informational meeting with somebody. It's it's not romantic. I think um, I think for the most part chains of any sort probably aren't that good. You want to do something a little more memorable, a little more special, something to make you stand out. You don't want to choose any place that's too crowded or too loud so that you can't hear each other speak because that's really unromantic. You also don't want to choose someplace too quiet where you feel awkward being there with this person. Sometimes I watch those, like I remember seeing an episode of Millionaire Matchmaker where their first date, he, like, rented out the public library in New York, which, like, should be really romantic and sweet, I guess, but it just seems super, super, super awkward because they're just, like, sitting at a table in this cavernous, silent space, and you don't really know someone hmm. that well yet to do that. So, yeah, pick something, and pick something fun and pretty lighthearted. I wouldn't go too romantic on the first date either. Great. Um, we have a call on line one. Welcome to the show, Dana. Hi. Um, my question was, um, I'm not shy. I don't really have a problem asking guys out on date. Um, it does get awkward, though, when it's time to pay. Um, do you assume that the guy is going to pay because it's that's the way it is? Or I assume that I'm going to pay because I invited him out on a date. It just gets awkward when mm-hmm. the time comes. So what are the basic rules for for who should pay? I mean, I think you're totally right, Dana. I think that, um, I mean, for better or for worse, a lot of guys do still sort of think, um, well, on the first date, I I should pay because I'm the guy. And depending on how comfortable you are with letting them pay, that's perfectly fine. If not, you can suggest splitting it. But a a go-to rule, if you're not sure, I do think that the person who asks the person out should always volunteer to pay um, or or be prepared to pay anyway. Um, when it comes to paying the bill on the first date, I, you know, don't squabble too much. If you, you can offer to pick up the bill and if he's like, no, no, I got it, then, then that's fine. Then you can let him pay and you can get the second date or you can get the second round or you can get dessert after dinner or whatever. Um, I think the important thing is to just not like fight about it too much. And if he doesn't offer to pay, um, then you're sort of, then it's your turn to foot the bill, I guess, because you asked. But I would, I would definitely take that as a warning sign because I think you want to be with somebody who will at least offer, if not to pay for the whole thing, then to split it. Because when you're dating someone, you do want to share the financial responsibility. Right. Great advice. Thank you. Great. Thanks for calling, yeah, Dana. Good luck. Thank you. Um, 
I, I had a situation where I went on an, an internet date with a lawyer and he insisted on paying for everything all the time, like down to even mm. like paying to rent a city bike for my friend who was going on a bike ride with us. And it, it felt like <laughs> it was so obviously like, I know you work for a nonprofit, like, and I don't. <laughs> and it felt like almost flaunty to me. So I, and I, I like am someone who likes to have a balance with everyone in my life, like friends, family, if you give me something, I'm going to give you something back secretly at some point. I will, I will, I've like hit slip $20 into guys' wallets when they're not looking. <laughs> like, I just want to be at balance with the universe. So it, with this guy, I ended up giving him a coffee grinder because he needed a coffee grinder. And I oh gave him my, my sunglasses because he liked my sunglasses. Like, he just wouldn't take a single dollar from me. So you, at some point, it can get like disruptive, right? If you're so, so flaunty about this. Absolutely, and I actually think that that's a pretty elegant solution that you found um, to sort of give him something. I mean, I think it's it's a little gross to be so adamant about insisting on paying for things because ultimately you're not dating someone so that they can pay for everything. You're dating someone um, because you love them and they love you or they like you or whatever. Um, I think it's important to sort of find a way to balance financial responsibility within the relationship so that it's proportionate to each person's income level. Um, you know, if, if he makes a huge salary, then maybe it makes sense for him to pay for the fancy dinners, but that doesn't mean that you can't afford to buy the movie tickets if you go see a movie or if you get breakfast the next morning or whatever. And I think it is important to state that, um, yeah, just to establish that you want to and expect to contribute to this as well um you're not you're not just looking for a free ride and you want to take care of him and treat him just just in the same way that he wants to treat you every now and then and a move that we i wrote about in the book which is really cool i think is to get up in the middle of dinner and secretly hand the waiter your credit card um, this really only works once. You can't really do it multiple times so that when the bill comes, you've already taken care of and you've just paid without without going through the whole, I've got this, no, let me get it. Mm-hmm. Right, basically. Yeah, right on. Um, I just, yeah, but at the same time, it's like if you make too big of a deal out of it, it can get, it can get even weirder too. So who yeah, knows? Yeah, you really don't want to like fight about, I mean, as... As much as you can, I, you don't want to fight about who pays, whether it's let me pay or or whatever. Um, yeah, it's unsexy to do that. It's not. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're taking calls at 201-209-9368 and also over on the WFMU playlist page. We're having a great conversation there right now about dating in New Jersey. So uh, join in. Um <laughs> Joining us on line one is Jim. Welcome to the show. Hello, Andrea. It's Jim the Poet calling. Oh, hey. Hello. What's up? I'm enjoying the show. I'm a huge fan uh, of the show. I thought last week's show was unbelievable. I thought your grandmother is incredible. Maybe you could have her on every week. That would be amazing. Thanks. I'm also a fan of your, uh, your guest. She's a great writer and a great blogger. Uh, I just think this is a, really a, a terrific radio show. And I'm, I'm very grateful uh, for it, and I'm a huge fan. Thank you, Jim. Oh, this is really nice of you. And, Jim, and, Jim, help I me mean, to I, name I, I the show. I kind of wanted to ask you on a date. I, you oh. know, I, I sort of was hoping that you might go out with me. Uh, uh, I don't... <laughs> um, I don't know if that's a good... Let, let's you don't get think it's the a da- good idea? Let, no, I mean, let's I get understand. the dating expert involved. You know, I mean, I'm sort of crazy and a poet. Right, he's crazy and he's a poet. Crazy and, and a poet. And how old are you? I am 40. That may not be age-appropriate. Right. I don't know what your age is. Oh, guess. I think maybe you're 28. I'm 28. Uh, is that real? Really? Yeah, I'm 28. Oh, okay, so I don't wow. know. I mean, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a little, you know, outside of your wheelhouse, maybe. Ooh. Maybe uh, it's a stretch for me. <laughs> but I, I just think you're great, and I've liked you from oh, like the moment so I met nice. you. And oh, then so I tried nice. to make up a little excuses for you to like train me in the I studio, know. and then you know. That I was, was like, an excuse. Well, it wasn't. Ex- I actually needed training, and I was like, "Well, who would I like to have train me? Maybe, maybe Andrea. Andrea, the, you know, she's great." That's how. You, that's why you already knew what buttons to press. You were like, "I kind of knew. I kind of knew the whole thing." But it was great hanging out with you. I mean, it was great getting a chance to see you and stuff like that. Kara, how old is too old? If I'm 28. 
Um, I think that is actually within the age. Oh, there's a, right there's there. a specific the age, age formula, which I always forget. It's in the book. I'm looking it up right now. But I think that 40 is within the range. I mean, it might. It sounds like I'm like 40 and a half. So is that still okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- I think that's within the range, i got to say. Um, yeah. Uh, what about, like, we have mutual friends and... Well, like, like one maybe mutual friend. Yeah. Does I mean, that make it different? Okay, so well, I asked him already. I mean, here's I what like, I hey, think. Uh, here's what, what I think. I write in the book about the one-gate rule, which is basically if anybody works up the courage or has the gumption to put themselves out there because they still want to go grab a drink of coffee with you or a drink or whatever, then you might as well give them the, you know, half an hour of your time and see where it goes. So I say, basically, unless they're a serial killer, and I don't think Jim's a serial killer, everybody deserves a shot. Everybody deserves one date. Is that true? That's my professional opinion. Really? Yeah, that's true. It's in the book. Yeah. It's in the book. I'm going to uh, buy this yep. book because I'm going to show this book to almost everyone I meet. Now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the one-date rule. It's on page 47. Well, I listened to last week's show, and I was listening to the guy about all the levels and stuff like that. I didn't want to ask you out like on an elevator. Yeah. And I know that radio, you're, you must feel a little trapped, and it must feel a little a little nuts, too. Well, Jim, uh, if if we did this, could I, rec- could I record it? Is that terrible? Definitely. No. What are you talking about? Of course. Okay, maybe Whatever no. it takes. Really? I'm prepared to pay the price. You would wear a microphone for our whole day. I would, yes. Of course. What are you talking about? Knowing You're that terrific. I have hesitation. Why wouldn't I wear a microphone Okay. All right, it's on. We'll do it. This will be great. So next week's show is my date with Jim the Poet. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> well, I wrote a poem. Do you want to hear the poem? Yes, of okay, course. Okay, well, it's a haiku. Okay. Andrea, you are awesome on the radio and everywhere else. How do you know? How do you know that? Well, I've only, I mean, you know, I've heard from people. Who? That's the word on the street. Okay. Well, no, what are you talking about? You're great. I'm embarrassed. Why are you? Okay, now I blew it with my poem. (laughs) Again. No, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, Jim. I'm just bright red right now, and I just need to. I'm not trying to, yeah. I mean, I don't want to embarrass you and stuff like that, but I just, I don't know. I think you're, uh, you're amazing. Um, I like your shoes. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, well, well, we'll we'll talk more. Um, okay, this yeah, I mean this. Pick you. So, uh, Kira, what's the next step here? He has to. I have to. He'll probably email me. He should. He should pretty. Yeah, he should email you. He should propose a kick-ass date, especially for putting you through this on live, live podcast. Um, and date. think of something really, really cool. Cool. And yeah, I'm excited to listen to it next week. <laughs> I have a million cool ideas. I promise, and I'll come up with something. I'm sure you do. That won't sound. Horrible. Just whatever you do, don't rent the entire New York Public Library. I hear that's a really bad date I idea. Don't think yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> also, I veto Starbucks. <laughs> okay, no, that sounds fine. Okay, thanks so much. Oh, we'll thank you, talk Andrew. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Oh dear. Oh man. Wow, that was intense. That was really cool. But meanwhile, I figured out what the oldest age you should date is. What is that? What is the formula? Okay, because. The formula is um, you take your age, to find out the oldest oldest you can date, you take your current age, you subtract 7, and you multiply it by 2. So the oldest you can date is 42. Great. Good. We're golden. Um, yeah, you're set. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing that I didn't really tell Jim is, uh, well, what do you think about this? I'm kind of dating someone else right now. But it's just in the dating stage. So, like, I feel like in New then York, the rule is that you're you're good as long as you're in the dating stage and you don't tell the others yeah, about it. Yeah, until you've had a conversation about being monogamous, you're golden. You're fine. And this is another thing that I tell people, especially, well, yeah, I tell everyone, never assume in the early stages of dating that you are monogamous until you've had that conversation. Because I think that gets a lot of people in trouble. Hmm. Well, that was actually a shocker to me when I moved um, to Brooklyn from Kansas City is like before people were more, you know, you're more monogamous right from the start. And I started dating someone and I left a sweater at his place. And uh, when I was over there, I said, hey, where do you think I could find my sweater? And he was like, oh, it's over by the laundry hamper. 
So I went over the laundry hamper, and there was, like, a pile of women's clothes next to the hamper. So oh, I, my god! There was my sweater, and there was a pair of tights, and then there was, like, a really large pair of underwear. And it was all kind of piled up right there. And I was like, oh, you're seeing lots of other people right now who need to get their sweaters. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a rough way to find out. Right, but it's you should just assume, no matter no matter who you're dating, no matter what what's been said Definitely. or not said. Definitely, and if you're wrong, then whatever, then then they were being monogamous the whole time. Better for you, but uh, yeah. Has that been weird for you, like as a dating writer? It's part of your job to go on dates in a lot of ways. And what if someone got serious? Like, does do you have to give a disclaimer when you go on a date? Um, you know, I never really write about my own dating life. I mean, I certainly draw from it um, and write about it in an abstract way. And if something's like a little bit in the past, a little bit more removed, then sometimes I'll talk about it. But I've never, I've never really chronicled my own life. And I think that that's given me a little more freedom. But I mean, it definitely makes dating weird. It's like you sort of hope that people don't Google you. Um, And then, and then there's the inevitable whenever you're on a date people are like guys are always like so are you going to write about this or am I going to make the blog and you're like you wish (laughs) oh yeah exactly um but how do you so wait are there so there's almost like different kinds of dates that you're going on because you you went on an experiment you went through all the different niche dating websites from jdate to christian mingle Tell, tell us about that process and how it worked yeah, so that was for an article that I was writing that eventually I just quit. Like, I never even, I, like, emailed the editor, and I was like, I can't do this because it was taking such a toll on my sanity, on my personal life. Um, the article that was pitched to me was to do 30 dating sites in 30 days, which is, like, would basically be a full-time job. Um, not only do you have to set up 30 different 30 wildly different dating profiles, then to even set up dates means messaging a lot of people and basically always being a computer. Oh, sorry. And it was, it was really, um, it was really interesting going through all those sites. I told myself that I would never lie on them. I mean, it's obviously stunt journalism, but I told myself that it was less stunty if I was just as honest as I could be within the confines of the site. So when I was on farmersonly.com, for instance, I didn't say that I was a farmer. Um, I just said, well, I live in the city, and I'm interested in knowing more about country life or or something like that. Um, And throughout all the sites that I tried, like um, ourtime.com, which is a site for older dating, um, like 50 plus dating. You, you did our time. I was, I've seen those commercials. You did that site. Yeah, I did that <laughs> site. And again, like nobody seemed to care that I was 26. <laughs> that was kind of gross. Um, if you're on that site, you're supposedly trying to date someone your age. But um, who was the guy? Yeah, Where was, was the date? How did that? How did that go down? On a, that was one of the ones that was like right before I quit. When I was like, <laughs> I can't. I can't do this. Um, I, I think that the sites that really were my breaking points were um, sugarbaby.com. I felt like what that's is the that? site for sugar daddies. Oh, my God. Like, I don't know, like young girl looking for a rich older guy. That one I just felt like so grossed out. And then the other one that I was just too creeped out to go through with, and that was really when I was like, I can't do this, um, is pounce.com which is a site for furries. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, I can't. I don't care. But, but the, I don't care the, if it's in the name of journalism. I can't do it. But the And Rand site, that one was cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that date, that particular date was amazing. I was dreading that one. Um, I also, like, not only am I not of the Anne Rand political persuasion, but I also... I also have never even really, like, read her book, so I'm not even, like, I can't even talk about it, really. I was just totally unprepared for the date, so I was dreading it, but then the guy turned out to be super cute and super nice, and we got along really, really, really well, Um, except he sort of, towards the end of the date, like, after we had been there for two hours and talked about everything from movies to TV to our families to travel... 
he kept sort of trying to bring up politics and he just kept trying to skirt away from the issue and then he'd bring up like a, you know atlas shrugged or whatever and i'd again just like avoid it and he must have thought i was so weird for like going on this date with him and then <laughs> doing everything in my power to not talk about the one thing that we supposedly had in common wow too bad That's... yeah too bad of course like the, he was probably the cutest guy i've gone out with in the past 12 months and of course he's yeah <laughs> not it didn't work out so yeah well something i've been yeah, thinking a lot about is like yeah but something i've been thinking a lot about is the spark like everyone says like you either know it or you don't and you know in like the first 30 seconds and people can get really caught up in that like what is the spark how and how do you know if it's there or not and before you even you know sign up for the coffee date um do you believe in yeah, the spark I mean, it's one of those things where I believe that there can be a spark, but then I don't really give the spark too much credence if you claim to not feel one. Um, I know that there are dates and there are moments where you see someone and you lock eyes with them, and in the first five minutes, you're just there's this instant attraction, this instant energy between two people. But I don't think that that's something that has to be there right from the get-go in order for a relationship to be successful. I know... So many women who have gone out with people sort of against, I don't know, gone out with people that they wouldn't have really wanted to go out with, that they sort of had to talk themselves into going out with, and then eventually falling head over heels for them. So I really think that um, that attraction is something especially especially for women that that can grow after after um, a few dates. Hmm. I'm speaking with Kira Attic, the author of Modern Dating, a field guide from the folks at How About We. And we're taking your questions at 201-209-9368. Um, believe it or not, I was recently at a bar. Uh, I've, I recorded myself at a bar the other night, and I met these guys who asked me, like, as a flirt, what my OkCupid username was. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then I, like, I had the, I told them, and they insulted it. They did not approve of the name. What is your OkCupid username? I, I'm afraid to say it on the radio, but uh, oh, okay. let's, let's just, let's just play it. And maybe, maybe I'll tell you. I got to think about this. Okay, here's the clip. You know Astoria? Yeah. Yeah, so he, ha he has a building in Astoria where he's like, sell like stuff. My roommate's new boyfriend lives in Astoria, and like, Bushwick to Astoria is like, yeah, she met him on OkCupid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we just talking about that. Really? Are you guys on there? He is. He has the most unattractive pictures of himself on there, too. It's really funny. That's horrible. Yeah, it's like just his beard. That's, that's the picture. <laughs> I don't know anybody. I would favorite. say if it's just beard, I'm not going to okay it, whatever. If I get a message from, like, too much beard, I'll usually say no. Yeah. So it is. What's your username? What's your username about there? Um, it's... <laughs> <laughs> you want to send me a... Yo, girl, what's your username? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, you. Uh, that's not that funny. What? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so if you ever want to have a really interesting self-discovery moment, record yourself at a bar and hear your drunk giggle. It's the worst. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think my laugh was like, <laughs> I like went super high pitched because I was so uncomfortable because I knew I was kind of baiting these guys and they were kind of awful. Um, yo girl, well, I think what's they were totally username? nagging you when they responded to your handle. Yeah, what's nagging? Explain, oh, so Nagging is from the game, which is a pickup book that is like a Bible for 20-something guys, and even if they claim not to have read it, they've often read it. But Nagging is where you sort of, like, insult a girl as a flirting technique, um, oh which is God. really, really um, a stand-up move by guys, where, I, I don't know, I guess to sort of... Um, lower her self-esteem a little bit or make her feel bad about herself so that then your attention will flatter her more so then you can like bring her up uh i don't know wow do you, do you recommend nagging can Neggy never work like have you ever seen it be effective have i 
You know, I can't actually think of a time that I've witnessed it be effective. I've definitely witnessed it be employed. Um, I'm sure it can work. I'm I'm positive. That doesn't mean that I would necessarily recommend it um, as a as a pickup technique or as a flirting technique to guys. Because like, so what? Just because it works in the moment, it doesn't necessarily seem like the basis for a for a fun and lasting relationship. Um, but no, I actually haven't seen it work in real life that I can think of right now. Hmm. Um, so I find what, what actually I'm, I've been doing all these shows about dating and technology and I find that dates make the best like party fodder. Like if you're at a party and you want <laughs> something to talk about with people, I hear mm-hmm. the best stories of parties about bad online dates. Um, and I've heard a couple, couple things. One, and I'm trying to figure out if they are urban legends or or true but one guy told me that on the night of hurricane sandy here in new york that he had a ton of girls like say come over hang out with me tonight and it's like this very primal thing where they wanted they kind of wanted someone there to protect them they wanted a hurricane boyfriend was that a thing Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That was actually a big thing on How About We. We saw a ton of hurricane dates. It was like a word band-aid about, because there is something, and this is, you were saying earlier that you feel the most single on on Saturdays. I feel the most single during national weather advisories. (laughs) I feel like everybody who's like in a relationship or hooking up with somebody, it's like the perfect excuse to hole up together and it's romantic and it's cozy and it's work and like there's, you know, there's no electricity. It's very, uh, like, yeah, I guess just like I said, cozy. Um, so when something like this happens, especially this year with Hurricane Sandy and everybody had sort of been through a practice run with Hurricane Irene, I feel like people were just desperately looking out for somebody to spend the, the blackout with. Wow. And because you make it fun, you're like, I'll bring food, or here's some DVDs, and we'll have candles, and and you just hunker down with someone. Aww. I know somebody who dated somebody for pretty much exclusively the duration of Hurricane Irene, and they broke up afterwards. But, like, they spent those entire, like, 48 hours together or whatever when, whenever, when the city was sort of on lockdown. Oh, that's so incredible. But yeah, that does sound like hyper-romantic. <laughs> yeah, and everyone has their blackout story. Like, when the blackout happened, the, everyone has a romantic or debaucherous story from that night. Um, I feel like that's yeah. been my sort of saving grace for first date conversations for the past year. Is whenever <laughs> I date in New York, and whenever I've been on a date recently in New York, where you sort of are looking for things to talk about when you first meet. The blackout is an easy thing that you know the other person will instantly relate to and you can tell each other your stories and and it's kind of a great icebreaker. I really like went through a period this year where every single date I talked about my blackout my blackout story. Oh, it's incredible. Um, here's the other party lure that, that I heard was um this guy told a story about a time he went to go meet a girl um, on a date, but he'd never, he'd, you know, kind of looked at his pictures, but but he hadn't looked at her pictures that closely. And he sat down mm-hmm. next to a girl. He knew that she was wearing black, and he saw a really cute girl, but she was definitely wearing blue. So he went down the bar. He sat down next to the girl wearing black and just started talking to her. And they had a nice conversation. Um, and then at one point, she looked away from him and went back to her book and just started reading again. And he realized, oh, crap, I've been talking to the wrong girl this whole time. So he, oh <laughs> he left the bar, went outside, texted the number and said, did I just do that? And she was like, yep. And then he said, let's, <gasps> yeah. And then he said, look, because she'd watched the whole thing. She'd watched everything. Oh, my down. God. And then he said, how about we go to a bar down the street? And she said, okay, no problem. I'll meet you outside. So, uh, oh, that's cute. I that know. is a happy ending. <laughs> but I bet people don't recognize each other all the time. That's got to yeah, be a common one. Um, I haven't heard of a story that extreme. And I'm trying to think if in my personal experience I've ever had something like that. I'm always, like, a little bit nervous about recognizing guys because I actually don't really pay attention to the photo that much usually when, I've, when I go on dates. Um, usually I just look for the person who's sort of, like, anxiously looking around looking for me, and it's worked out. But that, that's a funny story. That's definitely the most extreme I've heard. 
I also heard a story at a, at a party once about a guy who dated a girl who wanted to suck his blood. And uh, oh, there's, uh, <laughs> there's, no com- there's no condom for that. <laughs> like, what do you do? No, that's a, that's yeah. a thing. That's a new thing. Really? Because of vampires? No, stuff? no, no. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> that's horrifying. <laughs> and I hope to never experience that or encounter that. Um, so, yeah, my question for you is, like, what is a thing right now? Like, what are the, I guess, on the dates you've been on and what you've observed through the site, like, what are the reoccurring moves and, uh, and tactics that people so, have had? One thing that I've noticed myself and that I've heard from my friends is that because everybody seems to be dating online these days, either either a traditional dating site or, or Hinge or Tinder, one of those, um, it's easy to sort of launch into shop talk when you're on a date. It comes up naturally. Um, what is one thing you know you have in common with someone you're on a first date with that you've met online, online dating? And oh, wow. you sort of... I don't know, find yourself, like, launching into stories, um, either horror stories or funny stories or whatever, about your online dating experiences. And it's, and it's funny, and you both have a lot to say about it, probably. The only thing that can get kind of annoying is that talking about other dates at a certain point kind of kills the mood for the date that you're supposed to be currently on and it's easy to sort of veer into buddy territory instead of like romance territory when so early on you're talking about like what you liked or didn't like from a previous date. Um, so shop talk is becoming more common just because it's, it's more normal for people to have a ton of online dating experiences and stories, but it's definitely something to try to veer away from at least in the early stages. Hmm. That's a great tip. That's so good. I feel like I, I've gone to Shop Talk very quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's easy. It's like you obviously have this in common. It's just like it's what you're doing right now. It's easy to talk about. I also, But I also want to kind of diagnose the people who have been doing a lot of online dating because there's, um, I, I don't know, I have a, I have a colleague who's um, been on 90 dates this year. And, oh my God. Uh, yeah, and he keeps a spreadsheet. We heard about um, Brett's story last week on the show. And um, of those 90 dates, I want to say only five have led to kissing or so. And most of them have been. Five just, have led to kissing. If even. And yeah, that's it. That's out of it, 90. Out of 90. So I feel like Gosh. it starts to weigh on you. You start to have this, like, you start to recognize the conventions and, like, uh, and and almost have a, a downer attitude like I know where this is going I can tell so I want to I don't want to date someone who's soured by online dating and I feel like when I've asked it's been like do you keep a spreadsheet that's the question I've asked many times it's like I don't want to date oh, someone really? who's been doing this too much who's I want it to still feel like new and fresh and exciting and yeah, like a I quirk that, that we're doing online I'm- dating instead of real life I want to know that he I mean, can do it in the real world I guess that's what I'm saying <laughs> Yeah, I think that there's something, I mean, it is an alarm, though. Honestly, somebody who's been on that many dates, um, 90 dates with no in one year sort of means that there probably wasn't a relationship um, at any point during that year. And that is a little bit of a warning sign. And I think even with yourself, when you are dating yourself, it's important to a certain extent to get out there, to meet a bunch of people, to try to date um, to try to date different people and get a sense of what you like. But once you get to a certain number, like you're not going to learn anything more from dating 90 people than dating 12. And if you're going on that many dates and, and, and being, and then you're interested in so few, you're not, I mean, at this point it's like, you're not really learning anything new. Um, you're maybe, I don't know, being picky or, or something, it just seems extraordinary that out of 90, so few would be would be worth kissing or following up with. Um, and I think you can get into this this pattern of just like continuously going on dates and waiting for waiting for this perfect person that might not appear. Hmm. So so what's your advice? Maybe you need to take a maybe he needs to take a break from the side and reevaluate what he's doing wrong. Well, there um, there have been some interesting mathematical theories, actually, about how many people you need to date before you can sort of zero in on the right person. Um, 
a recent study showed that you need to reject 30% of the potential dates, potential partners before settling down on the right one, Um, which means that if there are like 10 single guys in your area, you say no to three of them and then you can like from the remaining seven, you're likely to find someone. Another theory is that after, after the average adult dates about 12 people, and this can be like one date or a short relationship or whatever, after 12, you know enough about yourself and what you're looking for um, in a partner to be able to make an informed decision. So after you get to that sort of amount of people and that experience, the next person who meets or exceeds um, your the qualities that you're looking for in a partner, then you just sort of lock down that person. And you're not getting any more new information after that, basically. Once you've gotten to 12, you're informed enough to to find the right person. And then after that, you're just really, like, squibbling. It's, you know, um, once you find somebody who is good enough, basically, then then you should date them for a while. Stay still for a while. Don't constantly look for the next person around the corner who might be a little bit better because nobody's going to be that much better or worse than someone at this point, once you're dating 90 people. Hmm. Um, how do you, I mean, how do you know when it's, it's time to, to go into a relationship? It's actually a question I've had for months now is like, when do you say, how do you have the, are we boyfriend, girlfriend conversation? And how do you know it's time for that? And like, do people even say that out loud anymore? Like how? I think they definitely say that out loud because really? wow. again, the monogamy for, especially in big cities, I think is an important thing to discuss. Um, and so the let's be boyfriend and girlfriend now basically just means like let's be monogamous, let's not be other people. And I mean, I don't know, it's a difficult question to answer, but I think basically once you would, when you get to the point where the thought of spending your entire weekend with this one person is more appealing than the thought of like going out and meeting someone new or going on a date with somebody else, then then that's a good indicator that it's time to to try it out with that person a little more seriously. Hmm. That scary part though is once you get in something like that, you're gonna have to get out. <laughs> like or never <laughs> yeah. get out. I mean it's terrifying. I don't ugh. Um, yeah. what's, what's yeah. your advice for, let's, yeah, I know. Um, what's your advice for like after that, after, okay, so we went on the date, um, maybe it didn't go so well. How do we end things? How do you if let the person so know well? that there's no, yeah. How do you let them know that there's no second date? Man, it's tough. It's tough. I, I'm, I have a really hard time actually executing this. I can talk a big game, but when I'm on the date, hard to do this, but you just say, Thank you so much. I had a nice time. And that is all you say. You don't say, let's do this again sometime, or I'll call you, or anything. And if they say, um, I'd like to see you again, you just say, hey, you know what? I had a great time getting to know you, but I don't really see a future for us together. Oh, that's perfect. Well, I wish I could have a second date with you. This was so much fun. And <laughs> I have like a bazillion Thanks more questions for, for you. Um, and uh, I, I appreciate everyone's comments on the comment board. Um, you've been so helpful. Uh, have a great, great rest of your night. And people can find your book. This My guest today was Kira Attic, author of Modern Dating, A Field Guide from the folks at How About We. And it's ebook. It's in all the bookstores. It's, it's everywhere, right? Yep, exactly. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, um, and independent bookstores. Great. And we can also follow you on Twitter at your name, Kira Attic. Yes. Yep. Great. Exactly. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a nice night. All right, that's the sound of Skype hanging up. Means we're at the end of the show. It's been fun. I'm so glad we did that. Uh, my name's Andrea Salenzi. It's been too much information. Again, Ben Walker is off eloping in Paris. I don't know if it's eloping if, you know, he's had a serious... They've been together since I've known him. But, uh... Anyways, you can catch us August 26th at McNally Jackson Books. We're doing a live Too Much Information that night. So you can uh, congratulate him then. 
I'm on Twitter also at Andrea Salenzi. I'd love to hear what show ideas you have for the nether next two weeks. I'm going to be filling in for Ben next Monday and the Monday after that, looking for ideas. Um, we heard music today from the Free Music Archive, including a track from Beaks and one from Poddington Bear. Uh, send me your feedback also, Andrea at freemusicarchive.org. And special thanks to Amadeo for call screening tonight. Stay tuned now for Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. Uh, and that's on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WNYX Montgomery, online at WFMU.org, and in Rockland County at 91.9 FM. Thank you so much. FMU, and it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. You just heard right there from 1966, the insect from Australia with I Can See My Love. And today on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show, an interview with from Perth, Australia, Tame and Pala. Tame and Pala. Today on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. Now, to prepare you for Tame and Pala, gonna play something by Pond, containing members of Tame and Pala. In fact, here's Pond doing a cover of Hey Joe by the Leaves on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show on WFMU. <laughs> 